Welcome to the Taylor and Jen podcast. Mornings with Taylor and Jen. What up, Taylor? Andrew Rip. You uh, gearing up for uh, Thanksgiving? You know it, brother. Life 107.1. Well, dude, I wanted to chat with you. Um, I, I went and, for whatever reason, I had not listened to your recording of the story behind the song for Rejoice until just recently. Right. Um, and, man, that hit me. So hard. Um, my wife and I have been going through a season of infertility for the last two, three years. Wow. And just hearing the way that you addressed it was so like wonderful and honest and hopeful without being like, but then there's always a baby. So I yeah, just wondered yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. if you would share a little bit about what that journey was like for you of moving from dealing with infertility to adoption um, yeah, just share your story a little bit. Yeah, that's good. I share this story every night that I play that song because mm. I feel like we all have our own unique stories and sharing them is the gift that we have to offer. So I think sometimes people can be like, wait, is he really talking about that? And I'm like, well, there's something about vulnerability that kind of just cuts yeah. the room and gives people permission. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. That specific story, we called the seasonal life waiting for Francis. Five years in between the prayer and the answer. Year three got pretty, I don't know, dark and dark, but depression began to kind of become more real than it had ever been for me. I'd heard about it. I, I'm always a pretty lighthearted guy, kind of find the positive thing that's in front of me rather than dwelling in the difficulty. I don't like to sit too long. I like to move forward, but this was one of those things we couldn't shake. Maybe year three and a half despair. And then year four, it was like, geez, I'll peak this. Mm. I began to understand why people have thoughts about taking their life, which was just really scary. Mm. And then panic attacks. I mean, we just got to the end of our ropes. It was like, we've been praying for a breakthrough that we wanted. Like, your will be done, but really deep down, it was like, please give us this our way. Mm. And the shift happened maybe in year four when it was like, all right, I'm going to let go of this whole dream of mine of seeing this through the way that I had originally hoped it would come to pass. And I'm actually going to shift the heart posture to, it's not about what I want, it's what you want. And that's when the shift happened. That's when the openness to the possibility of adoption, which had already been a dream of ours, but there's a difference between having a dream and stepping into it. Absolutely. That right there was our kind of breakthrough moment. Finally, at the year four-ish mark, when we decided to do what he said, which was a shift in a prayer, God, I want more than a breakthrough. I want you. Wow. And that's when things began to move forward. It was like, suddenly we're genuinely open to having a breakthrough in a way that we hadn't seen yet. And we get a phone call from an adoption agency that we had met with maybe a year prior and never turned in any paper, any paperwork. It oh, wow. Like we were in the system waiting. He huh. just called us and said, hey, family's getting ready to have a baby looking for a home. And we thought of you. So they called. I was off writing a song that day. And my wife got the phone call. By the time I got home, she had already turned in all of our paperwork. <laughs> It was amazing. Wow. So a week after that, we get the phone call saying that they chose us and that they didn't want to meet with anybody else. And then the next day we had a home study, which usually takes forever. It usually takes like six months to do a home study, but we didn't have six months. So they did it in like four hours. Wow. Yeah. They had to rush the whole process. Then it was Thanksgiving 2018, maybe a couple of days after that. And 
she was actually born while we were eating Thanksgiving dinner. She came early. Hmm. We caught a red eye back home, stopped at a friend's house on the way up to the hospital and literally borrowed like four diapers and a car seat. Hmm. That's all we had. It was awesome. Wow. But the song came from that season because I was literally in the midst of the depression after the prayer had shifted. I began to sing the words that I wasn't feeling. I, was, I began to rejoice. Yeah. Like it says, the instruction is to do. You rejoice always, not just when you're on the mountaintop. So I began to do that. And one morning, I remember sitting down at the piano just screaming out those words. Hmm. And uh, it became a song, man. So I, I love being able to sing that one for folks because it does. There's something different when it comes from a story that really changed my life. So every night I kind of get to go back into that space and remind myself of how how good the Lord was to me, even though he didn't give me what I thought I wanted. Man, that we were sitting with some friends the other night and just kind of talking about this idea that sometimes hope happens despite your feelings. And it's not about feeling hopeful, but about just like holding on to the promises of God. The song that I always come back to is Raise a Hallelujah, where they're saying, I raise a hallelujah louder than my unbelief. And I feel like that's kind of what you're doing here is you're shouting rejoice over that fear that you have. Totally. I mean, look, that's not always going to work. I've actually where it doesn't. But it's one of the things that sometimes we do and you can feel the whole Mm. atmosphere around you shift. There's other times where I feel like we're supposed to sit in it, feel the pain allow it to speak to us because I feel like the Lord can use that. So what would you say now that you're kind of on the other side of this particular journey, looking back, what would you say to someone who's walking through the midst of, I I guess specifically like wanting to have a baby and not getting that answer and doing the, the every month, yes or no, getting your hopes up and getting them dashed. What would you say to someone who's there? Well, first of all, I'd just say you're not alone. We actually did some fertility treatments in that time. And mm-hmm. we would go in, and because you're sitting in a lobby with a few other families, now you have conversations with people that are going through the same thing. So mm-hmm. I would probably say if you have the ability to reach out to some people that are in the same place, that was helpful for us, just to have the conversations with folks that were in it. But also that when the breakthrough comes, whether it's what you think it is or not, you're going to look back on the time and... Carly and I do this all, we've we've literally said, hey, you know, looking back now that we got our little girl, would you Mm. do five years again knowing we were waiting for her? Yes. We don't even have to think about it. So the guarantee is not that you're going to have a biological baby or even an adopted baby, but I will say this, that the Lord would not allow you to sit in this pain unless there was something good to come from it. I believe that it will be worth it. In my experience, it always has. Hmm. So hang in there, know you're not alone, and do your best to listen to the pain, because sometimes I feel like the pain is the doorway to get into the depths of relationship that we all desire with the Lord. You know, like, yeah. I think about that often. I'm like, can you get into that kind of vulnerable space with the Lord without pain? I don't know. I think there are rooms in the house of faith that you can't enter without pain. I think you're absolutely right. And I mean, 
I remember when I first like just kind of started telling people what we were going through of just like being willing to open up. It was like people were coming out of the woodwork that I had no idea who had been through it, who were going through it. And I've formed some really, really deep relationships and yeah, also seen God meet me in my pain. So I think that's, yeah, right there with you on that. And don't be afraid to talk about it. I mean, I, because I say it from stage, lots of people come up at the end of the night and I can just tell a lot of tears start just kind of welling up because I don't know how many people have that release in their life, you know, like somebody to talk to about it. So I think when you say it out loud, other people now have permission to be vulnerable. And then from the other end, um, what would you say to someone who maybe has someone in their life who's going through this and they want to say the right thing, they're not sure what the right thing is to say, but they want to be helpful. What, what would you say to them? Our friends showed us what empathy is during that time by way of literally just texting on days that they knew things were happening or we were finding mm. out information or had gotten bad news. They'd show up with flowers or cookies. Somebody gave us a massage one time. <laughs> this is so wow. cool. Stuff that lets you know you're not alone. And yeah. It's really helpful for us. How about you? Yeah, I think it's it's just that people acknowledging that you're going through it. That you're seeing, you know, th- those text messages, the the little gifts. You know, we, we've had people join together and get us a gift card to go out to a nice dinner. And then just people who are willing to give us hugs. That's beautiful. Another thing I'll share that was very helpful for me probably isn't the move early on, but if you've been <laughs> in it a while and you've been working through the pain and you've cried as much as you possibly could, and then it kind of feels like, you know, just a redundant Every month, you're like having the same grief. I think at the end, at the end of this, I don't know, it's probably year four, but there's an uh, an amazing author named Donald Miller. Do you know this guy? Yeah, Blue Like Jazz. Exactly. We were in the same friend group together for this one night where we went to see a show at the Ryman. Okay. And we stood out front of the Ryman one night, and he and I just kind of began talking. He's just full of wisdom. He's yeah. just one of the sweetest humans in the world and he's just available so he asked me how I was doing and it, I was in a, in a mess I was just just exhausted and I said you really want to know because we hadn't really ever talked mm-hmm. but I knew his stuff and felt connected to him because I knew his books and whatever so I was like you really want to know and he was like yeah of course and I told him where I was and going through it and he, he began to kind of laugh and I was like kind of offended at first I was like, what are you, are you laughing? I'm sharing with you this painful season of life I'm in. And he goes, it's kind of a comedy, isn't it? And I was like, whoa, I never really thought about it this way. But, you know, there's something about moving into the lighthearted side of things after you've grieved it. Mm. You don't want to get stuck in the cycle of grief. And I began to see it as less of a heavy thing and more of a light, just kind of like trusting that the Lord is in control. And there's something beautiful about that. That's so powerful. You have brought so much wisdom and more. So thank you for just spending some time to open up and and share your heart. This this has been really, at the very least, it's been healing for me. And I think it's going to be healing for some of our listeners as well. I don't, adoption isn't the end result for everybody with fertility Mm -hmm. issues, but I will say, man, for me, if it wasn't for that season, we probably wouldn't have adopted. 
mm. which is a major bummer. Now that I know how beautiful it is and how exactly right on point it is for me and my wife and our family to think that I could have missed that if it wasn't for the pain, bro, bring the pain on. That is an amazing perspective. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Well, dude, I appreciate you. I'm so sorry you guys are in it. It doesn't make it easier, but Mm -hmm. it does make it worth it. Just thinking kingdom mindset perspective over the whole thing. God is totally doing something. Absolutely. So I bless you, my friend. Yeah. Thanks for your time, Andrew. Yes, sir. All right. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we'll talk to you later. The Taylor and Jen podcast is a product of Northwestern Media, a ministry of the University of Northwestern St. Paul. You can hear more from Taylor and Jen weekday mornings online at life1071.com or on the Life 107.1 app.